Amen. While you're standing, let's approach the throne of grace this morning. Father, we thank you for your presence. We come to you now in the name and by the blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord. We ask that your spirit would come and teach us, anoint our minds and hearts that we may receive in this hour your engrafted word in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Praise the Lord. Are we okay? One, two, three, four. All right. I've got a new mic and bought. We didn't get it set up this morning, so let me see if I can turn these around. When you get old, you get cranky in particular. Brother Bram said that's the reason women, you notice the older they get, the shorter their hair gets. Have you ever thought why that is? The older a woman gets, the more bossy she gets. And the more bosses she gets, the shorter her hair gets. If you don't believe that, go down to Branson. Go to a show and it'd be covered in snow. Most of them are old ladies with hair so tight you wonder how they ever got a curl of that small. And you can just tell they're just as cranky as you can be. So wives, let your hair grow and maybe you'll be more mellow in the spirit. Michael, good to see you here this morning. I preached on you about three or four weeks ago, and you told me you was going to be here and didn't show up, so I let everybody know it. <laughs> I'm not near as critical and cranky as you think I am, but I, I do that for a reason, and hopefully the Lord will forgive me for it. It's, it's just a personality, just a trait was born with, and we can't get it, can't get it shaken out. If you'll notice, you got quite a few notes this week, and I first give you... A scriptural confession that we have arrived from scriptures because we're still looking at the kingdom I'm looking at the tree of life the mystery of God unveiled to us we're looking at the product of eating from that tree of which we have eaten from and if you eat uh, basically a good dessert if you eat a good meal there should be a evidence from it there should be a results from it if you eat good chocolate you that man that tastes good mm. Your bloodstream starts flowing, the energy starts going. There's a result of eating. First time I ate avocado, I think it was, there was a result of it. It didn't stay down. So there was an effect. Now, how many likes beans and taters and beans and taters and beans and taters? But, and you can eat it, and it will keep you going forever. But sometimes you like a little steak in there. And I like mine a little bit rare. I know we shouldn't eat nothing with blood in it, but I like mine a little bit rare. And just that little difference. You can have steak, beans, and taters, but there's just a little mixture there that makes that meal a little bit different than the other meals. Now, we have an element in the message, a unique, specific revelation given to the very elected only that causes them to have a little bit in their meal that others don't have. And basically, if you would serve them a little dip of what this revelation is, they would need it. Just like spinach to a child, they just shove it back. What's so uh, mystery to me is, how can they eat around this element that gives them eternal life 
and push it back when the Bible plainly tells them to eat everything that's set before you. <laughs> and this unique revelation has to be eaten and swallowed and digested, which it will taste in your mouth sweet as honey, but in your belly it will get very bitter. It causes an effect that you don't like. And since you know what the effect will be before you eat it, you resist eating it. When you eat and partake of the tree of life, you will be separated from everybody else. Only those that have kindred nature, kindred soul, coming out of one source, which is God, will be the only ones that will fellowship with you. And will recognize you as a part of the body of Christ or a brother or a sister. Because we have something in common and that is a gene elected by God in us that basically we had nothing to do with. And we're only now discovering that uniqueness about ourselves. And the mystery of God is coming down and revealing personally to you that you are the Word made flesh, which is Jesus Christ personally revealed to you that you call the new birth. The final mystery to us personally before we move into the great secret of God is the understanding that Christ in you, the Bible said the hope of glory, but it was, is the, Christ in you is the great expectation of being changed from mortal to immortality. There's something in you moving constantly forward until it reaches the end product of an immortal body to live and reign on this earth as a son and daughter of God. That desire which you are now expressed was in the mind of God before the foundation of the world. And you call that an attribute or a logos word, a small logos word that has now evolved itself like a seed life until it has produced a mortal body. And now it wants to move to a higher form of life, which is basically a glorified body. And there's something in you that constantly propels and strives for that, even though we don't understand it or how it's attained. Brother Bram said, just like a, a grass in an asphalt, you put a road there. It won't be long that that will break somewhere and you'll find a little blade of grass coming up through that asphalt that's about four or five inches thick and I tried it for 15 years you can spray it you can kill it you can pull it up by the roots but the next year there's another one sprouts out there you can never get rid of it because there's a life hidden under all of that that wants to be expressed I wrote a specific confession that I, will believe, I believe that the bride will have, no matter where you meet a bride, especially a bride minister, he will have a certain confession and there will be a certain element in his teaching that is expressed today because it is the key element of your perfection. And that is the revelation that was opened under the seventh seal of the one God and one Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That revelation is hid from the church world, it's hidden from every religion, Judaism, on and on. It's hidden from the Pentecostal realms, and only revealed to a unique people that would open the door when he appeared 
and opened the door and went out to sup with the one that is here. We're looking at a mystery, a secret of the coming. Brother Bram always called the coming of the Lord the secret. The secret coming of the Lord. I listened to one of the leading ministers in this message, not critically, but I listened to a part of his sermon, about 45 minutes or an hour already. And his subject was, where is Jesus now? And that's what attracted my attention. I wanted to see where Jesus was. And as yet, he has never presented where Jesus was or even if there is a Jesus. So somewhere probably in the next hour of his sermon, he'll let us know. Jesus, our Lord, is sitting on the Father's throne in heaven. It doesn't take me an hour and a half to tell you where Jesus is now. They can't explain that because they don't understand the Godhead. Knowing that God himself is here in the form of a, the Holy Ghost. That is condescended down to a form of spoken word or what we call a message. And he is spirit in his life. And now he has deposited himself into the heart's of his elect and now God is in the form of the bride of Jesus Christ that we call the church when we come to the place of our unfolding or when life reaches the stage the prophet said that you and I can say when you see me you see the father he said then the whole thing will shut will pull away and then the rapture will take place when you see me you see the father you say, well, only Jesus Christ, the Son of God, could say that. The prophet said, basically, in, uh, I believe his question answer on the seals, he was asked the question, how could Jesus say, when you see me, you see the Father? He said, you're looking at me, aren't you? He brought it down to himself as being the vessel of which the Holy Spirit is speaking through, making words, spirit, and life. When you're full of the written word of God, which has been received through your mind, believed by the heart, now confirmed to your heart by confession out of your mouth, you have established or brought that seed word through a cycle called now faith. Now faith is spoken out, which puts it into a dimension out here that God can bring that seed and produce after its own kind and manifest it once again into a form of the life that was in it. Therefore, you get nothing from God until you confess that you have it first. I have so-and-so in the name of Jesus. You can only confess what you have according to what's been revealed to you that is given to you in this hour. Now, what is revealed in Luther's day... Wesley's Day, Pentecostal Day, gift, you can confess that because it's already fulfilled and manifested and revealed, and it's all past tense, so we can confess that is true. And we'll read in a few minutes because, remember, there's a principle. God reveals it. He manifests it before it is, becomes a revelation to the people because our revelation is always past tense. And when we read the quote in a few minutes... If he's going to reveal the coming of the Lord and the second coming, which he said has already taken place, then we're absolutely looking at past tense, but it's so close that he's standing there as the interpretation speaking to us through human flesh. 
In other words, the tree of life in this hour was represented to us as a prophet, William Branham. Now, if that's hard to grasp or hard to chew on, then there's a Baptist tree, a Pentecostal tree, or another tree that you can go eat off of. But remember, there has to be life in the root of the tree for life to sustain itself because there's no life outside of another life. Even the parable, when Brother Bram said you, you graft an orange tree, a lemon tree, whatever more, he said, what was it in the roots? Because you can't produce an orange, you can't produce a lemon off of the same tree unless there's life there to produce another form of life. So what was the Lutherans living off of? What's the Methodists living off of? What's the Baptists living off of? They're all grafted into the tree of life are called the gospel of salvation, which is Jesus Christ, the tree of life. Now, they have a general confession that they believe God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is a general confession. You believe on the Lord, be baptized, you're saved. That is your confession. That is a general confession of Christianity, and thereby your confession, you're saved. I call that a general confession of Christianity. But there is a specific confession that every group and every age has to distinguish that they have moved from one level of life to another level of life. In other words, the transformation, the transition is taking place slowly. You don't even know how. Just like being born as a baby, you feed and you eat. You feed and you eat, you grow, you learn, you talk, you learn, you go to school, you progress until now that we're an old person. And you have to stop and really realize and think back of how you went through the process to get where you're at. I'm 80 years old and it seemed like it was just day before yesterday that I was picking cotton as a child in the field. I can remember, you close your eyes and you're picking cotton in a little flower sack and wishing that you're somewhere else. So the transition, the transformation takes place so slowly that we don't realize how the food, the transit, the learning, the process, going to church, hearing, 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 what it's actually doing for you because it's not a bam, bam, bam. You didn't go to grade school and all of a sudden find yourself in college. You went from class to class to grade to grade to grade to grade and one more. And those that got out of high school would say they could become a Baptist and dropped out. Then they also went to junior college. They went to Pentecost. And they said their soul that goes to college and get a degree, which flies above the eagles. I'm talking spiritually now. Because everything types the spiritual principle of God. Because the Bible here is the textbook of psychology. You say, well, it's the Word of God. It's God in word form. It's a holy book. But it is the textbook of psychology because this is the perfect psychology of God to us being psychic, our soul. And if you follow this textbook right here, you would be perfect. This book of psychology tells how your soul can be perfect and how to live and act itself in a body to be the full expression of the life which was God in the beginning. So God wants to express His life, His attributes in human form or physical form. And that's the process that we're in. And we, are, we have to be able to come to the place that we see that we are the physical form of the final product of this word called the bride manifested in flesh. This word must become flesh in us. And to do that, the second stage of that process is there has to be a confession out of your mouth. How long have I preached this? 
There must become a confession out of your mouth, and I call that a specific confession that you and I must have in this hour. And I laid it out for you as best that I know how, with the help of the computer and the internet and all these things that God gives us today. And I call it the confession of the one God, the Father, and the one Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, 99% of the message, and that's not critical, but it's the truth, does not believe this confession. You will never hear a oneness say in his sermon or his language that God spoke to his son or his son talked to the Father. Now, just think about that. Listen to their sermons and see if they tell you that God spoke to the Son and the Son spoke to the Father. They can't. Because they believe that God is one like your finger, that Jesus was that God, and if he prayed, he talked to himself. Brother Blandon plainly tells you in the same message that they quote proving that, that God could, Jesus could not be his own Father. And he couldn't be a son unless he had a beginning. Well, you said his beginning was God. He had a beginning. Can you explain it? And I talked to Brother Martin about an hour and a half, two hours of the day over at Serpent Seed. He talked about the sermons that was preaching, Tree of Life. Very interested in going back to seed, bringing it all the way down. Had an interesting conversation. But there's a place that you get back there that you cannot basically comprehend, or my mind can. I'm not that brilliant that I can comprehend theological the separation of an element way back there in the mind of God. Just not that smart. But I can read the New Testament, as it tells me, and I can refer back to the Old Testament to see the type in the shadow. So we have to come and have confidence in God that He will fulfill His purpose and have confidence in the ministry that they are telling you the truth. I always like to prove to you that this is not my idea. That I'm not in a boat over here and you're over here. I'm just in the same boat you are. I'm trying to grow and trying to learn and trying to come to wisdom to the place of perfection to fulfill the resurrection and the rapture. So this is not given to you like uh, I know it and you don't know it. This is given to us as a body, an assembly, that we can sit down to a meal and eat it. But I understand also that if I quote the Word of God and pray the Word of God, that Word will somehow take a part of me and become a part of me. And I put, uh, mine's not in black and yellow, but I think I put in yellow, actually the confession, and put in red or black to your notes, the scripture from which that uh, confession was taken from to show you that everything is in here is absolutely scripture, paraphrased or spoken as a confession. And let's just read a part of it, which is not the big part, but just to show you where we're coming from. I'll just read the confession. I believe that there is but one God, the Father, whom are all things. 1 Corinthians 8, 6. That there is none other God but one. 1 Corinthians 8, 4. And that God is one. James 2, 19. That He is the one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Ephesians 4, 6. That He is... God only wise, Romans 16, 27, which says to God only wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. And the only Lord God, Jude 4, that he is the king eternal, immortal, the invisible, the only wise God, 1 Timothy 1, 17. The only potentate who only hath immortality, 1 Timothy 6, 15. That there is none other God but he, Mark 12, Mark 12, 30, Mark 12, 32 and 34, 
that he is the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now here is where uh, the conflict comes. The scripture says that he is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1.17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I believe I can read English and the Bible said the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. So according to this verse right here, Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus Christ had a God. Therefore, if he had a God, he could not be a God outside an object of worship that was allowed by this God. And I was watching a Trinitarian debate over the Godhead on the internet, theologians debate. And they couldn't figure out how this one in Revelation could receive worship, knowing it was the Lamb of God, which was Jesus, and not be God because they said that you can't worship no other God but one. So that one had to be Jesus because he received worship. Brother Brown plainly told us that he received worship because he was allowed and positionally placed by God up on the throne. See, like uh, Pharaoh was, Joseph was ruler over all things except in the throne of Pharaoh. Jesus is in the throne. So the one on the throne is an agent of God. He is a representation of God. So according to what Jesus done for humanity and the position he attained by his shedding of blood, death, burial, and resurrection, he was placed on the throne of God and therefore can receive worship for what he done, not who he is. Only God can receive revelation as the one true God. Even Jesus worships his father, the one true God. All right. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. Hebrews 1.9, that thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Thy fellow brothers. Jesus is our brother. And He is the supreme one or the only begotten one in the family of God, placing Him as the head of the family, and He will rule on the throne in the millennium, David's throne in the millennium, as the head are the Lord over the kingdom of this earth. Amen. Then God will be sitting on his throne once again. And the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Ephesians 1 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. I'll just read the next paragraph and I'll give you, there's four or five more paragraphs we won't read. I believe that God made heaven and earth. And the seed that all in them is, that he giveth to all life and breath and all things, that in him we live and move and have our being, and that he created all things alone by himself, by his own hands, and that there is no God with him. Amen. I believe that Jesus Christ, Jesus is the Christ. And I give you scripture, and you can read on and on and on. That is the confession of the scripture, of the revelation of the New Testament, by coming to the understanding of Psalms 110.1. That was only made known to us by the opening of the seventh seal. When the mystery of God was made flesh in the form of a prophet. And come down here and spoke to us through human flesh. Mouth to ear. He took on human flesh because he could not speak to us. In our capacity and our level of mortality. As the pillar of fire. Because we could not stand in the presence of the pillar of fire. And be able to receive the word. Without being disintegrated and dissolved. Just like the movie, uh, The Lost Ark of Noah. Science can portray it pretty good. 
they seen it and they just evaporated in smoke. And Brother Brown said, now that's the way, if you stood in the presence of the pillar of fire, that's what would be the effect of us. So that's reading a prophet. It has to be special made, approved by Almighty God, built in a certain way that he can stand there. And all of his elements of total numbness, totally paralyzing, draining almost every strength out of his body to do it for a short period of time. To be in the presence of the pillar of fire, to hear what he has to say, and then he comes back to this realm, and the effects leave, and he can be able to survive. One of us would be would absolutely kill us if we the pillar of fire would appear in this building right here, made visible to every one of us in the form of the light, the atmosphere here. Every one of us would almost pass out or hit the floor in total fear and reverence and respect to the power and the reverence of Almighty God. So all these people that's having visions, they see Jesus, they see angels, and they rejoice, and Jesus smile at me and give me a song or whatever more. That's just this total darkness of the devil that you can say. Oh, hallelujah, I seen Jesus. He had blue eyes. They just got some kind of figment of their imagination. It's not God. So I'll give you these scriptures right here, and basically of that confession. I would ask for you, and basically it would be to your advantage if you would read it constantly. I try to read it at least once a day. And meditate on it. That this confession will become our confession not by reading scripture, or quoting scripture, or memorizing scripture. But it has been revealed to you, the revelation of Jesus Christ, the Word. This confession will bring you closer and closer to the statement that you can say, when you see me, you see the Father. Now, if you would tell me that, or if I would tell you that, now, church, when you see me, you are seeing the Father, uh, you would have a problem with that. The first problem you would have in your mind was the form or the man that's talking to you. You would stop right here. You would listen, look at me and you would listen to my voice. And you think, well, I'm listening to Brother Gregory talk of what is in his mind. God must be somewhere outside of here, and God is not in your mind. You're listening to a man, and the man is a form to you, and that's what your attention is on. And if God was talking to you right now, the words you're hearing, you would have trouble opening up and receiving it because you're looking at the form that he's using. That's the mystery. The mystery is always the form, and the form has always been what? A man. That form is your form. I'm not talking about me trying to get you to see me. I'm trying to get us to see who we are individually. According to the progression of life. That is now Christ. That gene. The anointing. The soul. Life. Tree of life. Product. Is now in me. Giving me the hope and the expectation of a resurrection. Body change. And glory to the marriage supper. That's the hope that lays within me. Without that hope in you, which is Christ, which is a revelation of you personally, then basically you're only having a general confession of faith that you believe that one day Jesus is going to come, one day Jesus is going to do something for you, and you pray hoping he'll help you or hoping he hears your prayer. But we'll come to a stage of perfection that we know when we speak he hears us. Now, we know that he hears us, and if we know that he hears us, and it's according to the word of God, then we will know that we have, already have, the petition that we desire of him. My petition to him is wisdom. Wisdom is basically the product of the Holy Ghost or the uh, pillar of fire that we have a picture of. There is wisdom. Go to Proverbs. 
Wisdom was there before there was a star. Wisdom was there before there's anything. He danced around before the Father's throne, before the foundation, before the creation. Wisdom did. So there's a mystery in wisdom also. But wisdom was that first one. Wisdom was that Son of God. Wisdom was that first expression of Almighty God. And now we are praying in this hour for the spirit of wisdom, the pillar of fire, the Logos to come down. And like on the day of Pentecost, break itself off in you and give you and I a personal revelation in the knowledge of himself that we may know and hear what is the hope of his presence and what is the exceeding greatness of the message of this hour and the power that he wrought that message in Christ when he raised him from the dead it was a transfusion of life bringing him from one form of life to another form of life so all we're seeing is now the tree of life and how God's plan unfolded to us that we can see the stages of life knowing where we are in the stage. And it's already been revealed the next stage. So we can confess this stage so the law of faith can bring us into manifestation of what we are saying. Amen. So with that in mind, let's go to the scripture. We'll pick up from last week, Matthew 24. Uh, and we'll read verses 32 to 37. And we're going to begin, before we read those scriptures, we're going to pick up uh, the quote. I'm not going to read all the quotes. They're long. But if you go to the sermon, Christ is a mystery of God revealed. And we said last week, you can absolutely say that the tree of life is a mystery of God revealed. Jesus is the tree of life. Christ, which is Jesus Christ himself, is the mystery of God revealed. And God gave Jesus in Revelation chapter 1, God gave Jesus a revelation of himself. Now just think about that one. Oh, Jesus was God. He knowed all things. No. He didn't know when the perusia or the arrival of the Father to finish the work. He didn't know when that was coming. The seven church age messengers didn't know when it was coming. What is it that they didn't know? The perusia of the Son of Man. So we're looking at the mystery of the secret coming of Christ. Which is the key now to the resurrection and the rapture. Because that revelation, number one, resurrects your soul to a higher plane called revelation. That revelation gives the Word of God preeminence in your mind and heart to obey what it said. That preeminence in you allows the Father to take and change your body into the anointing, take you and the whole body of Christ into His presence as He incarnates Himself into the Jesus, the Son of God, at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen. And follow me say amen. amen. Beautiful picture. So we're looking at this tree of life. We're looking at this mystery now. And we're looking back 2,000 years ago of the mystery of Alpha, which is Jesus, the Son of, of God, which He was the Son of Man, now revealed, made flesh. Brother Bram said in paragraph 102 of uh, Christ the mystery of God revealed, he said, now, God's secret mystery. So there is a secret mystery now that He's held and hid all the way from the Garden of Eden when He blocked and veiled the tree of life. That's basically hiding the revelation of Jesus Christ from humanity. He hid it. It's a secret. How did he hide it? I believe he hid this identity of Jesus Christ. Just like he hid the identity of Cain the serpent seed. 
Because when Cain said, well, wait a minute, my, uh, my sin is greater than I can bear. Because they'll find me and they're going to slay me. So the Bible said, God said, I'll put a mark upon Cain. That any finding him would slay him. I'm going to put a mark on him and hide his identity. So they can't understand who he is and recognize what he is. Lest they would wipe out the servicey. Because let's just face it. If we understood through the centuries back. All the persecution, all the killings, all the wars. What's going on in the Middle East now. Is this group of Baptists trying to kill this group of Methodists. Kenites trying to kill this one, this one trying to kill. They're all trying to kill the serpent seed. And every religion thinks that group, that group, that's the serpent seed. If we get rid of it and cleanse it like God did back in the old days with Moses and Elijah and all more, we could basically come to a, a topia here on earth and sit up and live and reign under the dictates of our religion. You say, that's far out. That's what the Catholic Church believes also. But they're going to absolutely evolve and convince everybody to become a universal Catholic by a general confession of one God in three persons, what they call the Apostles' Creed. I had it written down, but it's too much room, so I just took it out of the notes. Go back online and read the Apostles' Creed. My wife may be able to quote it. I don't know. Go back and read what they call the Apostles' Creed, which was not the real Apostles' Creed. It's what they presumed that he taught to put their point across of three gods or to try unity of three gods, which is what's formed every religious system in the world. God's secret mystery in the paragraph 102, he had before the world began. Now the world there speaks to me of humanity. See, there's a cosmos, a world system. All right, you've got to have people in the system out here that we call democracy, all these governments. That is a world cosmos, a world system. And we'll read the scripture in a few minutes, a certain thing has to come, and the end of the world. The end of the world was not the end of the planet. It's not the end of humanity per se. It's the end of the world of the ungodly that God purges the earth from, that the world of the godly or the seed race of God can rule here on earth without all this interference just like Trump's trying to get rid of all the Democrats and squealers and leakers and serpent seed in his cabinet up there then God is purging all of his churches out of every squealer serpent seed whatever more in the church it's all, it all transpires parallel he said we're going to look in the back part of God's mind there was something that was trying and was going to achieve and he had a motive in doing it in order to let himself be expressed all right, how is God going to finish this process? You see in the New Jerusalem, and you see God's expression is everything inside the city. The bride, the groom, tree of life, either side of the city, those outside of the city. It's all the physical realm manifested in this element in a physical, tangible realm here, process. Because God's eternal purpose was to become physical. He wants to become physical, tangible, to be able to fellowship, handle, feel, talk, interrelationships, whatever more, that we have a privilege of being in a human body. But now just think, if we're raised up to an immortal body that cannot be, have any bitterness, anger, animosity, all the traits of the serpent seed, that's cleansed out of our natures altogether. 
and all of our youth is perfect, the weather is perfect, our health is perfect, our attitude is perfect, our fellowship would be perfect. We can't even phantom getting along with everybody all the time. And the more that we get around each other, the more we love each other, the more we would fellowship, and the greater it would get. We, we can't even phantom that. Well, let's just face it. If you have company more than two days, you get sick and tired of them. You're ready for them to go. Right? Your own family, all you're glad to see them when they arrive. You have a good time the first meal. It's wonderful, wonderful overnight. Then you got to start cleaning up the afternoon. They start dragging around. And then you get, uh, it gets kind of weird after the third or four days. I wonder when in the world are they ever going to go home? Why? It's a product of our bodies. That is that serpent characteristic bred into us. Paul said, reckon yourself dead. Oh, so Wesley said, oh, that, that old nature dead. Well, we're perfect. We're dead and gone. Look, for you can be so full of the Holy Ghost you can't even talk. And that old nature, that old body is still there. As long as you're in this mortal body, the old man is still here. Just like the young preacher asked the older preacher, probably about my age. Brother so-and-so... How old do you have to be before you quit thinking about women? He said, well, I'm 80 and I hadn't got there yet. What are you saying? It's bred into your body. You're looking at natural. And the laws in there that will overcome you was laws that God allowed or put in what he called man. I've often said, if you want to look at it, the fall was God's fault. Never go. <gasps> like Brother Martin said, well, when you said the fall was God's part, I had to go, oh, Brother Gregory. Then he said, I thought about it. He said, well, it was. Because God prophesied to Adam before he put him in a body. Adam, you're going to forsake father and mother, which was him. God was both his father and his mother. And you're going to leave father and mother and cleave unto your wife and you twain will become one flesh now all these super duper spirituals out here that's thinking sex is the original sin sex itself was not the original sin it was the act outside of the law of God because he said if you're going to forsake father and mother and cleave with your wife and the two shall become one flesh then how is me and my wife ever become one flesh and that's in our daughter which is Karen you become one flesh through your children so if you're going to tell me that Adam and Eve never was going to have the natural sex act for to reproduce procreation I'm telling you you don't know nothing about the plan of God oh but what if Eve hadn't say what if what if what if God already prophesied so just get out of your mind the what ifs. Oh, what if, what if, what No, what if. Then start trying to work out a plan. And then try to bring people back to that plan to correct what God had ordained. I don't think so. So these men that are trying to bring their church to the spoken word. We're going to speak the word. Show me in the Bible where they ever spoke the word and created bodies outside of God speaking to the womb of a Virgin Mary. 
And he'd done that by a creative act of his own self. So you've got to get the scripture straight. Sex is not a sin. God put that in there for to reproduce sons and daughters of God. The problem with man is it was a law for reproduction only. It was not designed for pleasure, although it is pleasure. Amen. You, how come we're here in the 20th century and everybody freezes up when you talk about sex and everything you see on TV, news, and everything else is all about sex? That's the perversion. You say, well, we shouldn't talk about it behind a pulpit. That's how it started. That's how it started. It's the subject. That's it. Why did Brother Brown preach on women more than anything else? Why did Jesus say, you say thou shalt not commit adultery? And more, we get so carried away, we get, man, we get, we get thrilled, and we get, oh, we just get so religious when someone commits adultery, we're ready to dangle them over the fire and burn them, whatever more. But Jesus said, if you look upon a woman to lust after her in your heart, you've committed adultery with her already. And the woman then is guilty of committing adultery with you because she presented her there, herself that way for you to look upon her. So how many men will women have to account for adultery with that walk down the street and draw the attention and men lusted after? All those men she'll have to give account for adultery. Let me ask you a question. Which do you think is greater? The act of adultery in the flesh or preaching false doctrine? Most of you will say adultery in the flesh because we've, we've revealed that. We know that's the truth. We've seen that. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, well, that's a sin, that's a sin. What about that which you can't see? That which you can't see, the adultery and the lusting after uh, the flesh that you can't see, comes out in the doctrine that they preach. Same spirit, same thing, same thing with the Lord God. So we got to be careful how we judge, not by the New Testament doctrine of the general confession that God saves everybody, but on the specific confession and revelation of the seal of Jesus Christ under the seven seals of this end time bride, which is different and a different element of life than has ever been revealed before outside of the person of Enoch. So if you want to see your type in this hour, you and I are the Enoch of this day. We must have a confession, a testimony that pleases God, and we will walk out of here with God and go with Him when He leaves. Now, Brother Brown said now in paragraph 105, I'll sip half that, watch. God had a purpose and a hidden mystery, and that's what I want to speak on to the church this morning. The hidden mystery of God that he had in his mind before the world ever began. And how that this mystery has unfolded itself right down to this present hour that we're living in. Then you will understand clearly then what is being done. What is being done. So we saw the tree of life, how he formed Adam out of the dust and whatever more. So remember... He only took dead substance, the earth, and formed it around a living matter. 
and breathed into his nostrils the breath of lives, plural, and he become a living soul. In other words, blood began to flow, and the life is in the blood. So every seed of Adam was in that sperm, in that blood, in Adam, to begin with, all the way to Jesus. So you're looking at two trees and two products of two trees. Adam was the tree of mortality. He fell. Now Jesus is the second tree, or this one that has life, the second Adam, the last Adam. And you begin the process over again in him, that tree. And now for 2,000 years we come to the end and product of that tree, the second Adam. Okay, that's what you're looking at. The garden's the perfect picture. 106, we'll read part of that. Watch. God's great mystery of how. Now remember, I was listening to, I almost call it, listen to this minister. And he said, now we're looking for Jesus to come. His whole sermon for the first 30 morning was the coming of the Lord. We're waiting for the coming of the Lord. We're going to on and on and on the coming of the Lord. But he had in his mind the physical coming. Now how many knows that basically the physical coming of the Lord Jesus in Revelation 19, when he comes back on white horses, this is not when we leave with a white cloud. It's when we come back on white horses that we actually come back with him at his physical, literal return called the second coming of Jesus Christ, Revelation 19. Somehow, those that come back with him has received a revelation it has produced this product of immortality. It's got them to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And basically has been strengthened. And now he's coming back with them. Then why are we here looking for that? Of which we've got to go there for three and a half years to come back and fulfill. So when you say, I'm looking for the coming of the Lord. You have missed the secret coming that is promised to resurrect you and change your body to take you there to be able to bring you back. Where did they get this misunderstanding of the second coming of Christ? I preached on it for 35 years and we'll get it one of these days. Because the how Jesus come is the mystery that takes you there to bring you back. According to people is I got to have a revelation before I get there. Then how did you get there without the revelation? If revelation is after the fact. Revelation can come only after the fact. Then how are you going to be in the resurrection and the rapture. And the marriage supper of the Lamb. After the fact of what? How did you get there without a revelation? And revelation is after the fact. We're not going to be at the marriage supper and say. Oh I must have resurrected and raptured. Oh now I got it. No, 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 you're going to get it before you go. All right, Brother Bram said, this mystery is now revealed to you. It's already over. It's taken place. It's in your midst and has been over for years. And they're still looking for it to come. All right. He said, watch. God's great mystery of how. As we said last week, the how God's doing it is the mystery. The how is the mystery. So Revelation 10.7, an angel, a prophet, is the mystery of Revelation 10.1. The coming of what? The coming of the Lord, which is the seventh seal. 
but not the physical coming of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is the appearing of the Logos, or the Lord God Himself, comes and reveals Himself through human flesh again, just exactly as He did Jesus 2,000 years ago. That revelation is what is revealed now, after the fact, to take you to your prize. Nobody know nothing about it. Now he gives you a scripture here, and we're going to go to that scripture, which is the key. Watch, even the angels didn't understand it. The angels there, possibly, is not the heavenly angels. Angels there are the seven angels of Revelation chapter 3. Seven church age messages are seven angels. Not one of them had it until the last seventh angel. And he didn't understand it until this mighty angel, the cloud, the wig one come down. Go to Jeffersonville. I'm going to reveal the mystery of the secret coming of myself to the church that's already taken place. Now I'm going to open the book. I'm going to open the understanding of myself and let the church understand clearly who's here and how I've done it. Okay. So that's what the prophet, according to what I understand, he's looking at. Even the angels didn't understand. See, he didn't reveal it. That's the reason under our seventh mystery, which would be Revelation 10, 7. When the seventh seal was opened, there was silence. Okay. We argued for 30 years over that. Watch. Jesus, when he was on earth, they wanted to know when he would come. Now, what scripture is he referring to? He's referring to our text in a few minutes. And we'll go back to that text to see what they were asking him. And it was the disciples of the Jews that was asking Jesus. Who had the revelation that he was the incarnated son of God. That he was a dual person. That God was in him. And they were realizing now. That both man and God was speaking through one individual. And they were having a hard time knowing when it was God and when it was the son. Because they were so close. That they could not separate it. So now then they're asking him the question. When are you. Now, are they speaking about the physical Jesus? When are you, the physical Jesus, being the king, is going to come? Or when is the presence or the perusia of the Logos that's in you going to come to set up your kingdom? Because remember, nothing will be done outside of God himself doing it. When is that one that's going to come that appeared at the river when you was baptized... That said, this is my beloved son, in whom I'm pleased to dwell. And watch the same ones that asked him, was seeing him transfigure on Mount Transfiguration. When he stood there as the unmanifested glory. What we'll get to in this service, uh, we won't get to it because we don't have time. But there's a glory there that's veiled by human flesh that is unmanifested. But on Mount Transfiguration, all of a sudden that glory began to break through the human flesh. And the glory that was veiled in that body made it like the noonday sun. It was so bright 
that they couldn't look upon it. Like Paul, when he rode down the road, that glory that was there, leading and guiding him, began to manifest himself, and it was so bright that it blinded him. So the presence of God can be here, veiled, unmanifested, so to speak, and it can be here and then manifested at no known trigger or whatever more to us as individuals. God is here now. The same pillar of fire here now is veiled. I would like to say in the fivefold ministry or the teaching ministry of itself. He's not breaking through into the manifested glory because he's done that through a prophet. Proving his presence. But now he's veiled in the simplicity where you can sit comfortably listen to ignorant preachers. And he is revealing himself. Until the revelation can become manifested glory in his saints. It will manifest itself in us. And we shall be transfigured in the moment in twinkling of an eye. Watch now. When the seventh seal was open, there was silence. Jesus, when he was on earth, they wanted to know when he would come. He said, uh, it's not even the Son himself don't know when it's going to happen. No, he kept referring to it's going to happen. See, God has this all to himself. It's a secret. Okay, now what's the secret? How he will come and when he will come. The how and the when. Now remember, I can read you quote after quote after quote, hundred quote, and prove to you that the how and the when is already over. Brother Bram said it was already over in this sermon right here. The how and the when is already fulfilled. Now I'm going to reveal to you the how and the when. Why would a prophet say, I'm going to tell you when, and then go back to the river? Remember when that pillar of fire showed up and said this, my message is full running second come. Everything he told you was trying to tell you, I am the manifested, fulfilled scripture of this hour. I am it. I am the coming of the Lord that you are looking for. I am the tree of life. Oh, you said, well, Jesus was the tree. But he was the agent. He was the physical expression of the invisible one as just as Jesus was. All right, now watch. He said, it's a secret, and that's the reason there was silence in heaven for a space of half an hour. And seven thunders uttered their voices, and John was forbidden to write it. Write what? The perusia, the secret coming of Jesus Christ, the Logos. Brother Branham is not speaking about the physical Jesus that was nailed to the cross, the Son of God. He's talking about Jehovah, God himself, the Logos, coming in our midst. The light is the mystery. Seventh hundred other voices were beginning to write. Watch. See? The coming of the Lord. Now, what I want to bear your mind is, I know these people, well, Brother Brown said the coming of the Lord, the coming of the Lord. I won't think of nothing but the coming of the Lord. He quoted you to the scripture of Matthew 24, 1 to 3. And the coming of the Lord that he's referring to is the word perusia, which means literal presence of. Brother Branham understood the definition of this word. He preached revelation in a mystery. 
Because if the devil gets a hold of it before it gets deposited into the heart of the bride and she conceives this revelation, he can do all kinds of havoc on it. He'll send impersonation. He'll send copies. He'll send everything. But it must be a secret until it's revealed to the very elect and are the only ones that can conceive out of the millions that listen to the tapes and the millions that has heard this word, only a very few received it or conceived it and made a seed of God or a revelation to give birth to a confession. Say, somebody pray, praise the Lord. How many, how many, are you awake this morning? Come on. This is wonderful. Praise God. This is outstanding. Just thank God, give us stupid individuals, unlearned, uneducated, can't even hardly read the words, gives us the understanding that theologians and scholars and everything else can't even touch or even know anything about it. It's so far beyond our comprehension that you just got to believe it and confess that it is the truth. Well, time sure does move fast when you're having a good time. The coming of the Lord. The coming of the Lord. That's not Revelation 19 now. He's not talking about Revelation 19. He's talking about 1 Thessalonians 4.16. Revelation 10.1-7. Because that's where he goes in the sermon, the rapture. The Lord shall descend from heaven with a shout. If Jehovah had to come down from heaven... To give you a message. And the shout is not the person that comes down's voice. It's Revelation 10.7's voice of the one that comes down. Then he has to be here. Yeah. Brother Brown said it wasn't me that spoke this and done this one more. I was only standing there when he done it. What we're trying to get across to the people in the message is who is this He. That done it, that Brother Bam said, hasn't been here for 2,000 years. Oh, that was the Holy Ghost. But it's the Holy Ghost in a different form. It's the Holy Ghost Himself. God, the person of God Himself. Still veiled in Shekinah glory. And the glory is the theophany of God. Representing the literal presence of God Himself. So Brother Bam said, he was forbidden to write... The mystery of what? The mystery of the perusia or the arrival of the Logos to the church. See, God's great mystery of how. He said, see, that's one thing he hasn't revealed yet of how he will come. Okay, if he hadn't revealed it yet and he already has a revelation and he said he had it for years and carried it with him. Who is those that he hadn't revealed it to yet? It was the church. It was his assembly that was sitting in front of him. And now he's going to say, I'm going to let this congregation know. Just like he pardoned that congregation for their intermarriages. He didn't pardon the whole world. He didn't pardon ever Tom, Dick, and Harry that comes by and messes up four or five times. He pardoned his congregation, an elected group of people, ordained to sit and hear God speak flesh to ear. Amen. You say, oh, I believe that I'm not. If you come under the revelation of it, you can be set free by the revelation. 
He said, don't do it again. And teach your children not to do it. In other words, he's going to dwindle out that, that generation. See, if they was not to teach their children to do it again, that generation wasn't going to go into rapture. They were saved. They was pardoned by God himself. You never done it. You done it under ignorance. You're in the book. But the next generation, I'm here with them. I'm not going to allow that generation to pervert the word of God and get in. That generation, I'm here. They're doing it by ignorance. If they do it by ignorance, they're doing it because they're not a part of me. The pardon only goes so far. The pardon had a condition. Don't do it again and teach your children never to do it. You and I have a responsibility to be under this token, which is God himself, is to teach your children the moral factors of what's right and wrong, spiritually, physically, and morally by the word of God. That's our responsibility. Boy, that's a preacher's job. It's not the preacher's job. It's the father's and mother's job. Teach your children the way they should go and they shall not depart from it. Now watch. He said, now that's the how. Now that's one thing he hasn't revealed yet of how he will come and when he will come. And I put it on there. You can only, the revelation can only come after the fact or manifestation. Watch. He has showed or revealed it in every type that's in the Bible. What does every type in the Bible show you? God manifesting himself in a man to a people. The entire Bible is the revelation of God's mystery in Christ. The entire Bible is an expression of one goal that God had, one purpose he wanted to achieve in the entire Bible. And all the acts of the believers in the Bible has been in type, an expression of this great goal. Okay, now let's go to Matthew 24, verse 32 to 37. And what we want to look at, simply put, we want to look at this it. And we want to find out and understand this secret coming of Christ, the Logos, the pillar of fire, the light, that is life, that's the tree of life, is everything that we need is in this light. Now, only a small group of people will understand by revelation this light, come under the headship of this light, give this light preeminence in their life, that this life can take them into another dimension, which is called the marriage supper of the Lamb. I can't do it. You can't do it. This light will have to do it. This light is the anointing. And we're promised a manifestation of this light at a specific time called an hour. We call it resurrection. That 60 or 50 day period right there that he's here with us. All the bodies of the earth coming out and gathering together as one body. That little small time period. That anointing will be manifested called the third pull. It is unmanifested in us and among us and around us now. And people are so zeroed in on trying to produce the manifested glory of his presence called Mark 16. That they're going to miss 
the revelation and be left here speaking in tongues while the bride takes the rapture. We're not talking about the anointing that caused you to jump and holler whatever more like a Pentecostal. That's all wonderful, but that's not it. It is a revelation that will cause you to have a confession. You're talking about the resurrection coming by the spoken word. The rapture will come by the bride speaking her confession, which is the revelation of Jesus Christ revealed to us this day what he's doing now. Who do we say that Jesus is now? Oh, he's the son of God up on the throne. No, who is Jesus Christ here among us that had his picture taken, that healed the sick, raised the dead, that saith the Lord thousands of the time. Up in Canada, Toronto, 2,000 miracles and not one failing. And it wasn't just the miracles. It was a manifestation of the presence of the glory of somebody that was here that was not William Branham. Brother Green, what are you trying to get us to see? The prophet messenger, that form, that agent is gone. And people are waiting for that form to come back. That form will come back after you and I see and hear that same one in another form. Which is an element to complete the revelation that we can say, when you see me, you see the Father. It's all coming down to every little individual apple on the tree. We'll have the same revelation that Jesus Christ, the original seed, had 2,000 years ago. Let's look at this picture here. Thousands of sermons preached on it. Learn a parable of the fig tree. How many knows the fig tree here? A tree. We're still looking at trees. Is Israel or the nation of Israel? Okay. Now when his branch is yet tender and put forth leaves, you know the summer is now. What you're seeing there is a process. A moving process. Israel becoming nation, establishing as a kingdom, da-da-da. Now then basically they move the capital over. All these things now is that process of Israel coming to this tree, coming to its fulfillment. In other words, now it's being grafted back in the original vine. Romans 9. It's going back to Israel. See, the life has put forth another branch now. Israel is going to be grafted back in. And they're already grafted back in. It's begin to bear leaves out on the tree. What more? Now you see the fruit of the two prophets beginning to slowly appear. As the atmosphere is getting closer and closer to producing this ministry. Watch. When his bread is yet tender and put it forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. Okay. So likewise, ye, when you shall see all these things, know that it, everybody say it. Okay, it is near, even at the doors. Now, how many know what the doors are? In this age, he's knocking at the door of the church, plural. Saying what? Open the door, and I will come in and what? Sup with you. What is that? Breaking bread, eating. And we know that he is the bread that you eat on. You say, well, that represents the communion of the Lord's Supper. But you're partaking of the revelation in symbolic form. But he said, if you'll open the door, I'll come in and I'll sit down and I'll sup with you. And I'll 
talk and you'll talk back. I'll talk to you and you'll talk back until we become one in fellowship and revelation. I'll talk to you through a form. You can talk back to the form. I'll talk back to the form until you understand who's talking to who. And it's spirit talking to spirit. It is we talking to the Holy Ghost in and by the word of God. So I ask the question, what it? This it is the secret coming. This it is the mystery. This it is what the message people are looking for. This it is what they're saying, Brother Brown's got to come back to do. Or Jesus got to come. They're still looking for this it. We understand the doors. So let us find out what the it is that Jesus is referring to. And you've got to go back up here to Chapter 3, verse 1, and Brother Bram brings this out in the sermons, the rapture sermon, different ones. He brings out what this it was, and he said, As Jesus said on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us when these things shall be. What things? What shall be the sign of thy literal presence or perusia? Now here's where words mean something. And you can't be blind enough and say, well, it says coming, and that must be coming, so coming means something. No, you've got to go to the interpretation of words. What shall be the sign of thy literal presence and of the end of the world of the ungodly? In other words, being a Jew, we said, now what would be the sign that God has backed setting up his kingdom and you're going to be the king because they understood by revelation according to what uh, Doubting Thomas I won't believe until I can feel the nail prints in his hand he said come on Thomas feel and when he did what did he say my Lord and my God Oh, see, Thomas called him God. He sure did. He had a revelation that he was God to the family or to him. But he also had a revelation that he was Lord of the kingdom or Lord of the earthly family of God. He was both Lord and Christ. How oh, glory to God. This Jesus whom you have crucified. And Paul said they would not have crucified him. If they knew that he was the Lord. That had come down from heaven. The princes of this earth would not have crucified him. If they knew he was the Lord. Why didn't they know that he was the Lord? Because he was veiled in human flesh. Everybody is trying to find God outside of Human flesh. And I doubt it will ever see that materialize. Maybe in the New Jerusalem. And you'll only see then as a light in the pyramid. The invisible God. So this what it is basically the sign of thy literal presence. In the end of the world. And, and Jesus said now watch. This generation. This race. This genes. These races shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away. 
But my word shall not pass away. But notice, but of that day and hour. Now we can spend a long time on Facebook. Oh, Karen, if you'll come, I'll close just as soon as I get this paragraph read. Musicians. But pay close attention. I know that it gets where teaching is weary. Praise God. Uh, I wouldn't want to sit into the congregation unless I was totally interested in what was being said. I'd rather sit into a good old Pentecostal meeting shouting what are more and good drums and good singing. Leave happy and go eat a meal. But I've done that for 38 years and didn't know whether I was saved or not. But I can spend 20 years in this word studying it, chewing on it, eating it, digesting it when you didn't even know what you were swallowing. And I can't tell you how, church. But this revelation has grown within me. In my mind. Now that's the only thing that's in my mind. Outside the devil trying to get this subject off your mind. Because we're still on this earth and of this earth. And we're not so spiritually minded that we're no earthly good. Come on, there's a lot of church members that way. There's something that you still got to do. There's something that you're a part of. Because you're a part of yourself, your own will, until you become to His will. Then you're back one again. And when you're back one again, God can use you in and through you to express His final product. Which will be the voice of resurrection. Which will be the confession of what I'm preaching to you this morning that's been revealed to you. Coming out of your mouth as the testimony of the bride of Jesus Christ. Enoch and we will have the same testimony. With the same result. Do you think Enoch had a revelation and would have had a testimony that took him off the earth? And it's something that we will not have to take us off of the earth, if Alpha is Omega, what took Enoch off of the earth without dying will take us off the earth without dying. And it's been veiled to man until this hour that the faith of Enoch, the confession that he had, that he expressed by building the pyramid and every stone was a part of his revelation, he put the mystery of God together in stone. He revealed it and it's still there as a testimony. That testimony of God's purpose and will pleased God and he took him off the earth without dying. At the same time, Noah had a little general confession that I got to build a boat to be saved. And his confession saved him. But he had to go through to come out on the other side. How many getting the type now? There's a specific, specific confession of Enoch that made him different than Noah. There was a specific confession Abraham had that Lot didn't have. There's always a unique little element. I call it an element. It's something, an aspect. It's an element. It's a small principle that the bride has that the world doesn't have. It comes out of her mouth, and it's so close that most people can't tell the difference between this confession and this confession. Because everybody can talk about a prophet. Everybody can talk about rejoicing, worshiping, this and that, conduct, on and on and on. Everybody can talk about that. But when it gets down to a, a little detailed mystery of one God... And one son of God 
There's where the theologians, the church world, and everybody else outside the bride has a problem forming this confession. If you don't believe it, turn on your internet and listen to the Trinitarians and how many books that are written trying to prove who Jesus was. Verse 3, or verse 34. Now, continue, watch. So the it that he's referring to, real quickly, is the coming as the answer to the question in Revelation 3.1. What is the sign that your literal presence will be here? How will we know? Which they wasn't going to be here because they're talking about Jesus setting up the kingdom. It's going to be 2,000 years later. How will we know that you are literally here? When is this ministry going to come back to set up the millennial reign? That's what they're asking Jesus. And Jesus said now, but of that day and hour, of the literal presence or the perusia of Christ, which is the coming of Christ. Hemi understands that I'm not talking about the physical corporal body of Jesus that's sitting on the throne. I'm not talking about the Son of God, our Lord. I'm talking about our Father, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. That come down and identified Jesus as the Son of God at the river of Jordan. That when that man in the Garden of Gethsemane began to struggle within himself. Struggle with his own physical body. If there's any other way except this, let this cup pass from Jesus was not God. He was a unique, created Son of God come to pay a price for us that no one else could pay but God Himself. And God done it by creating a Son uniquely that He could die through this Son vicariously and count it done and justify us freely when we never done nothing by just believing this one that He gave for us. In other words, when we accept the agent, which is Jesus Christ, we accept the principle, which was God himself. That day and hour of the present or the perusia of Christ knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my father only. Why the father only? Because it was him that was going to come. It was the father's coming that you're talking about. The perusia, the literal arrival of the Logos, the pillar of fire, called in your Bible or King James translation as the coming of the Lord, is the literal mystery of the secret coming of Christ. It is a secret. Was not revealed until the opening of the seventh seal. And that was to this generation by a vindicated prophet. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the perusia or the literal presence of the Son of Man be. If you look at the original translation, which I give it to you in the next page of notes, you'll see that Young's translation was, and as the days of Noah, so shall be also the presence of the Son of Man. Some translators got it right, but the King James Catholic priest didn't get it right. So now verse 36, but of that day... And we can talk a long time on it. But of that day now, 
What day is that? It is the day of the arrival of the pillar of fire. And Brother Bram said after 2,000 years ago, he's here in a way that he hasn't been here for 2,000 years. And we know the Holy Spirit's been here in this measure for 2,000 years. Is it a 24-hour day? And that hour is 60 minutes in that 24-hour period? That's the way they teach it, but it's not. What it's telling me, and I'll stop right here and you can read your notes. It's telling me that the 24-hour day or that day and hour is a span of time where there's, in this arrival, he's going to do something that's going to take a long period of time. And then he's going to do something specific that is basically typed in an hour or a short period of time to finish it up. Because he also says in parable, as it was in the days of the Son of Man. So shall it be in the day, or Noah, so shall it be in the days, plural, of the Son of Man. Then in Luke, he condenses, or condenses down and says, now in the day that Noah entered the ark and closed the door, removed. now Noah, days was 120 years, the day was about seven days in that period of time when the door was locked. So the days of Noah was 120 years. And the day that Noah entered the ark was a period of about seven days. And then God shut the door. So you got the days, a long period of time. You got the day, a short period of time. Where God accomplishes one purpose by his presence. He carries it out progressively. He had to build the boat. He had to get the animal. It took him 120 years to get that first and second pull done. The third pull was real short. Let me just follow me. So the days of the Son of Man would take from about, say, 1933 to 1963. But from 63 to now is a shorter period of time. And the hour that the Son of Man is revealed is a very short period of time. For now, after all this time of planting the seed, growing, the revelation is now in that stage of finality. To where when the anointing comes back to gather that seed together, when a confession, you see me, you see the Father, it will be a very short period of time, probably 30 to 60 days, that the hour is accomplished. We are approaching that little short period of time. The manifestation or the expression of your revelation is a confession. This should be so clear to you that if we live another 15 years, and I'll be gone, some of you will be gone, that any individual or any preacher comes, you should have an ear and a revelation to know what should be coming out of their mouth to distinguish them from a specific revelation that you have of being sheep instead of goats. So you beware of wolves in sheep's clothing. In other words, men coming, confessing a revelation that they got of the message. And they're wolves in sheep's clothing. The mystery coming is already over. This coming that they're looking for and the message people are looking for is already passed. That coming that everybody's preaching, uh, we're looking for the Lord to come, the Lord to come, the Lord to come. The Lord has come. He has married himself to you. The invisible union has already taken place. 
Now it's forming in just a little era of correction or clarity. And you will have a perfect revelation. Because that which is perfect has already come, has already been sowed in your heart, and you have already conceived. And the womb of your mind is closed to anything outside of the revealed Word of God. And it must be about one person, and that is your groom. God Himself is your total attention, and you don't want to look at nobody outside of Him. It's not even the prophet. Our whole mind, our whole thought, our whole being, the center of our revelation is Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus, the Son of God, will become so real to us by feeding on His spiritual presence until the unmanifested glory in us now. The Bible said will be manifested and become the glory in his saints and expressed. That glory, that anointing, that is veiled, that is unknown to you of his power and his brilliance, is deposited in you this morning. And I'm asking you and myself, let us break this veil that the light and the power of the glory of God in your soul can become to break forth little rays. And there are expressions out of your mouth that it busts these vessels completely open and it glorifies them in the presence of Jesus Christ himself. This one among us will materialize around us and in our midst by our confession that he is here. And by that confession, he will materialize himself. Amen. That should do it this morning. Everybody happy this morning? Let's stand this morning. Let's, 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 all right. If it's all right to you, I would like to, and I will say this is completely a teaching series now. You have the notes, but I would like to pick this up next week, if possible, and go to the specific confession and we will see by the grace of God, and don't have the wind, and don't even have the strength this morning to even touch it and preach on it. We will see why March 16 is not working among us. And we will see what it will take for March 16 to work. And it's plainly laid out in the message in the scriptures. Because remember the first warning that the early church held that fell. Just like the second Eve, she failed. Just like the Adam and Eve failed, this church failed too. The first warning was, repent and do the first works, lest I come among you and take this candlestick out. Their first works is what produced the miracles and the signs of, of the book of Acts. Why did it stop? When did it start? What stopped it? How do you restart it? I can look through my life and I didn't understand it as I do now. When I first started out, all we done, asked my wife, we didn't have any money. We had $75 a week to live on and eat on. As I've told many times, my uncle gave us 
Kentucky Fried Chicken, and that was the meal three times a week, like quail between your teeth. I got so sick and tired of Kentucky Fried Chicken, it took 10 years to eat it after that. So that only forced us to go to town once a week. We stayed home. She fixed everything around the chicken that she could. I read and prayed and fasted. Studied, read, pray, fast. Study, read, pray, fast. Couldn't go anywhere. I didn't know nothing. Didn't know the scripture. Didn't have any tapes. Just a few books. So you had to fast and pray and fast and pray and fast and pray. But all of a sudden, spirits begin to manifest themselves around you. Identifying who you are. I've told it all the time. The parking lot over in Diasburg. That bag man talking through his head and whatever more. Remembering whatever more. Come up to the car. I told him why. I said, he's going to come over here to us. We're sitting there in the parking lot eating a, eating a meal out of the grocery store there. And we thought that was a treat. He walked over to us and we're sitting there pondering what in the world are we over here for? What are we doing? Are we saved or what's going on? Because we didn't run out of money and period on and on we could go. He walked up to the car and all of a sudden he mumbled, move, 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 move. And he turned around and said, I know you. So I rolled my window up about halfway. <laughs> when you get around one of those spirits, I, I, you, I like to have the window all the way, but I like to hear what he said too. <laughs> hey, he sees the commercial on TV about this uh, liberty. I want to say you what you want. He rides up and said, I want to tell you what you want, you know. She sees this ostrich over there. She begins to roll her window up halfway. <laughs> I begin to roll my window up halfway. I know you. And he, oh, yo, 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 yo. He, he was, he was demon-possessed. I said, how do you know me? You're a preacher from across the river. Oh, praise God, the devil called me a preacher. I'm identified. I didn't know whether I was one or not. That's what we said in there praying. I don't know whether I'm calling or not. We're not getting nothing done. How do I know? The devil said, you're a preacher from across the river. I said, Mom, I'm a preacher. Praise God. The devil tells you one. If the devil tells you one, you can have the... I said, how do you know me? Go back across the river. We don't want you over here. So we carry on a conversation like that, and pretty soon he mumbles off and walks up and pecking and talking. Go to meetings, demons run to your feet and fall to your feet. Out in Tucson, I've told you many times the experiences. That demon possessed girl come and fell at your feet, begin to wiggle like a snake, whatever more. Over a thousand people there, 25 preachers on the pulpit. I stood up like this. The pulpit had one step. So I was young then. I just hopped off of them. I just jumped over. It didn't bother me then. Cast that spirit out. Her eyes cleared up. They set her down. Holy Spirit filled. You could hear the sound. Fill the building. Manifestations. Healings. Miracles. They asked me, Brother Greg, what are you doing that we're not doing? You go to a convention to cast out devils, got healings and whatever more. What are you doing that I'm not doing? I said, I ain't doing nothing. I don't have no money to do anything with. I just read the Bible and pass and pray. I didn't know that conduct was the key. I didn't know that. Conduct is the key to March 16. There'll be no signs and wonders among us as long as there's sin in the camp. Unconfessed sin shuts off March 16. We want to look at that. 
Because Mark 16 is a good evidence that the glory of God and the anointing is among us. Because Brother Bram said any church that doesn't have Mark 16 is missed. It's not a true church. But when I begin to get a little more popular, a little more money, like every carnal human being, you put on a new suit, you put on a new tie, you get a little more of this, you go out to eat in the restaurant, it all begin to progress, praise God. Get a little more spiritual. Invited to meetings, big crowds, Lord, oh, patting you on the back, that devil will lead you right down the path of destruction. Because I was so carnal, I said, oh, I, I want 200 men. Praise God, I got a big church. If I can get a big church, I can do great things. The bigger the church got, the less the power there was. Now I'm under the impression that this church is too big for the supernatural to work in. Ten people that's with you calls you brother, respects what you teach and receives it testifies of it that it's the truth is richer and greater to a minister than 10,000 amens and 10,000 people paying tithes it's just the opposite of what every preacher in flesh wants all of a sudden you begin to watch the news in the basement in Canada they all had TVs they was all holy so why shouldn't I have a TV Except I preached against it for 24 years. Didn't put yourself in front of it to hear all this worldly garbage out here. Not knowing that all these advertisements of commercial want more naked women that should commit adultery. And all of a sudden it got harder and harder and harder to have the spirit and healing lines, miracles, and the anointing to attract people to come and receive. And the less that happened, the more you had to teach. Now we've digressed all the way down. We stand here and teach and everybody sits patiently and listens. We all go back home in the same condition we come in. Not even enough anointing for us to praise God or have a testimony in our mouth of what we're hearing. There's a key to it though. And I'm running out of time. Confess your sins. Confess your faults. The key to Mark 16 is the Apostles' Doctrine. And the Apostles' Doctrine, I put it in your notes. I've got all this in your notes. The Apostles' Doctrine was chapter 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew. which It was Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Doctrine there was not election, predestination, sovereignty, redemption, as Paul preached to the Gentiles. The Apostles' Doctrine was conduct. And we'll see why Brother Branham preached on women's short hair. It's just a small type that Mark 16 cannot be among you with short-haired women off of the Word of God out from under the headship of the husband and the Word of God. Mark 16 will never work in a congregation that lives with unconfessed sin. We cannot sit here and have animosity towards each other carry grudges for years in our hearts, never makes it right. The more that we have, the more we'll sit here and listen and listen and listen, but it will not produce the glory that I'm talking about. We're in debt. I've been trying to confess God everything that I know is wrong with me, and I can find a lot. 
confessing our sins as a congregation because I'm responsible. But until we come back to repent and change our mind and go back to the first work, which is the proper conduct that goes along with true doctrine, which is the revelation of Jesus Christ now, we will not have the anointing, we will not have the perusia, we will not have Mark 16 in our midst. There's a reason why it should be here and there's a reason why it does not work. If it's not working, there's got to be a scriptural reason why it will work. What makes it work? I'm interested in that. But you say, well, yeah, but Brother Gregory, Brother Ram said in the church, a book, it wasn't conduct. Conduct is not the element of revelation that we're talking about. But without the proper conduct, I don't think you'll ever receive this element. I don't know that we'll ever receive the true revelation of Jesus Christ that I'm preaching right now without the product of conduct to be in a condition to receive it. Because our conduct creates the condition in the atmosphere of a building. You and I, and I'm not talking against you or you, I'm talking about us as a congregation with me responsible. We cannot live 99% with our minds in the world and come in for an hour and a half on Sunday morning and think we're going to jump over here in the spirit and hear something and go home absolutely perfect. There's a repentance that's got to happen before the manifested glory of God can work. But that manifested glory will come through you. And that vessel will be open. That glory shall be open when we open our mouth first to confess our sins and our faults one to another. Get our debt paid with each other. Get our slate clean before God. Then we can absolutely open our mouth and give praise to God. And he will and is in our midst unmanifested. But he wants to manifest himself in us and through us. And these signs shall follow those. That are right with God. Let's pray this morning, would you? Thank you for coming. I'd like to thank each one of you for coming. That little, all that little reverent spirit, almost a little shadow of fear. That's the Holy Spirit among us now. That condemnation that we fear, that little uh, uneasiness we feel in our hearts and minds, worrying about what we're going to do, what we have to do, can I, can I change? Can I, can, that's the Holy Spirit bringing to your mind, in my mind, in simplicity, what we've got to do. We've got to get clean before God as a congregation. And to do that, if you have all against your brother, when you bring your gift to the altar, bring it into the presence of God, go to your brother in secret or to him personally, whichever the sin was committed, make it right. Then bring your gift in here before God and see if he doesn't receive it. There's no worship because God is not the object of our worship. I'm not talking about singing, praising God, saying hallelujah. I'm talking about the word of confession coming out of your mouth, of a revelation of who you are. That is true worship coming out of our mouth. And the only key that I can find in the scripture, and I've searched all through the New Testament, the very key and the very secret, you've got to get sin confessed and get it under the blood. You've got to get your faults under the blood. There's got to be a fear of God before miracles will take place. 
If we want fellowship in the breaking of bread for signs to follow, we've got to get our hearts cleansed and our minds under control to the mind of God. Because Adam and Eve, under the permissive will of God, their soul did not fall. But they fell from God's mind to their own mind. Heavenly Father, we confess by the blood of Jesus Christ and in His holy name that we speak to you through and by the blood of Jesus that according to your own word that you are here in our midst and that you hear our voice. And I pray that you hear our voice confessing our faults, confessing our failures, confessing our spiritual ignorance, our lack of knowledge of thyself. We ask for total forgiveness for every soul and every individual in this building. That your spirit will deal with every heart. That we personally can wash our own robes 